Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Really excited about this week. Um, been looking forward to having the elders come up here and, and just talk through some of these rhythms and give us some practical ideas. Uh, so if you guys could go ahead and make your way up here. Um, we're, uh, we're, we've taken your questions this week. Um, we've we've kind of woven them in uh, to kind of three broad categories that, uh, that we're looking at, that we've been kind of looking at in this series. Uh, one of them being just identifying those rhythms that are already in our life, becoming aware of where they're, they're shaping and directing our hearts, and then seeing how these rhythms connect in every, every avenue of our lives. And today we're also going to talk about community and, and these supporting rhythms and how community really undergirds uh, this, this whole thing. And uh, so would you, would you welcome these guys up here this morning? Here you go, Steve. All right, so um, uh, I got to say I'm I'm really privileged. I feel very, very honored that these guys are up here. But one of the things that um, I think all of these guys would tell you is, uh, it's funny as we've had conversations leading up to this, they've all kind of said, you know, I I don't know what you want to get from me. (laughs) Um, I feel privileged and honored to get to sit with these guys and hear from their hearts. Uh, And I know, I know a lot of you guys do too, so... Um, very excited to have you guys. Thank you again for, um, for uh, just being up here to discuss this stuff with us. So, um, like I said, we've, we've woven in some of your questions, um, and, uh, and we'll probably have a few more get asked as we, as we go, but let's start off just talking through, you know, the first week we looked at uh, the, the different rhythms and patterns in our life and how they, how they direct our heart, how, they, how, how we can't even change our desire until God changes our heart and the weight of our love. Um, but for the Christian who's experiencing just a, a dry season, uh, rather than sit and wait for the desire to hit us over the head, what, would, what advice would you give someone who, um, who just is looking to cultivate that, that longing for Jesus? Um, I was uh, this week studying and um, one of the biggest things I find in my own life is that when I go through these dry periods, if we wait for us to have a feeling to go read the Word, it ain't going to happen. He says we have to will ourselves to do it. And I, when I do that, God rewards our obedience. And I was reading in Proverbs this morning in the 16th chapter and the 20th verse, it says, He who gives attention to the Word will find good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. And I find that in my own life, when I have dry periods, probably I have not been in the Word. But when I read the Word, God comes in by his power of his spirit and kind of gives me life. So it's, it's an act of our will. Don't wait for a feeling because it ain't happening. Hmm. That's good. Anybody else have just some advice to, to get that? Uh, how, do you, how do you cultivate that longing? Well, let me just add to what Steve said. I think you just have to push through, don't you? I mean, the, the challenge is, is that doing nothing is not going to be a benefit. And then what usually happens is we tend to turn more in, uh, inside and inward, and it doesn't necessarily help. Um, but you do, you, you have to push through at that point. And you recognize, I think Steve validated it, um, uh, sometimes we have to let the, the kind of the rational push through on the emotional. 
hmm. uh, and recognize that as we make that investment, it's going to happen. It's just like the Lord told, uh, you know, Peter always like it because he had a he had such a sandal-shaped mouth, and I appreciate him so much for that. <laughs> but the, uh, he asked the Lord, "Well, how many times should we forgive our brother? Seven, and thinking that you know." Uh, uh, seven times seven, and, and, and he was being prideful about that, but the Lord said, no, uh, 70 times seven. And the idea is, the lesson I learned is that sometimes we have to do things, keep doing things before it finally kicks in. Um, and I think in terms of our interaction with the Lord as well, that when you are feeling that time where you're a little bit in decline, that, that that's the time when you need to step up and in, uh, probably even more so. Uh, even though the feelings aren't there, they usually will come subsequent to that. So on some of those things, what, what would you guys say are your non-negotiables? If, 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 if you have, um, you go through a day and you don't have these things happen in your life, you just know your whole day is going to be out of whack. Just got to push it up. Push it up. It just, it just starts with um, my rhythm is just in, in the mornings, the first thing I do when I wake up is pray and pray for the day and pray to be humble and to, to um, think about others rather than me. And when I go to sleep at night, the exact same prayer. So in between the non-negotiable for me, it's just if I don't start with that thought, the rest of the day doesn't usually fall into place very well. Um, we're going to get thrown curveballs during the day. You're going to get, without question. Uh, but it's how you react to that and how you set your day up. Just like you start off with your day planner and you start thinking about, you know, what you've got, all the tasks you've got to do. To me, that that sets my day. And if I don't do that, that is that is a non-negotiable for me. And I notice that when I don't, or if I forget, or if I get really busy, late out of bed, get going, it is it it makes the day bad. So that is, isn't, for me, it is a non-negotiable, and that is how I get started and, and get going. Hmm. What are some others? So I, uh, I set my alarm for uh, 6.48, because I can get over here. I live close. Uh, but I woke up at 6 this morning, and uh, I normally have my quiet times in the morning, but it's like, oh, boy, my wife, went up, wife and I stayed up a little bit late last night, so... Uh, yeah, by nine o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> we actually did eat it at four yesterday. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm thinking, you know, do I get up and have a quiet time between six and you know six thirty, six this morning? And so I, I go, well, you know, I can pray in bed. David prays in bed at Psalms, you know. Uh, uh, and so I go back to bed, and I'm going, you know, this isn't working. Uh, so I get up and I, right now I'm using a computer for a quiet time and uh, just some, spend some time with the Lord. It's not, I mean, I shoot for like five quiet times a week. But do you have any non-negotiables with your wife? I mean, yeah, a lot of stuff you don't do. Uh, but it's, it's a relationship, you know. It's things that you do because... It's non-negotiable for you because you know it's good for you. Uh, and you know it pleases him. Uh, that's, that's good. 
What about, um, how does grace play into just the missteps and the course corrections in your day? How, like, for example, uh, are, are you prone to beating yourself up whenever you miss those five quiet times that you're wanting to hit in that week? Or, or do you feel a little bit more lax in it? How does grace play into those, those missteps and those course corrections? I give myself lots of grace. Lots. Um, I don't, uh, personally, I don't, uh, one of my, one of the important things about um, the way I have to operate spiritually is to make sure that I'm always staying in grace because I can get to the legalistic side very, very easily. I can fall to that very easily. And like Tim said, I want to keep it a relationship. So if I, if I drop the ball with Gail, that's a conversation. You know, you, the same way you would handle that in a relationship, you know, you dropped it, you need to pick it back up. Spiritually, I try to do the same thing um, um, to avoid beating myself up. I, I, don't, uh, I don't like that idea at all beating myself up. I, I, I much prefer the relational side of my spiritual life, and I think one of the great challenges of the spiritual life is keeping it on the gray side. There ought to be a reason why you're not relationally excited about getting along with God, learning, becoming a better person, or becoming the person he wants you to be. There needs to be something driving that besides a checklist. So I try to avoid the checklist idea mm. quite, a, quite a bit. I think it's a great challenge. Mm-hmm. And if I can add to what Pete was saying, I think, you know, uh, some of you, like Pete said, are going to have a checklist whether you like it or not. <clears throat> but I do think that the fact that um, uh, everything in our Christian experience is all relational, correct? I mean, we have a God that has a relationship amongst uh, the three persons in the Trinity. So uh, they were in community. We were created in community. And I think that's the flip side, that God you know, wants us to, to migrate into that area. I think the biggest challenge is, is that um, if we're not gracious to ourselves, we tend to avoid community. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, what tends to kind of you know, draw people and have them withdraw. And that's the very opposite of what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to step into him. And, and I know in, in our world, with Carol and I, you know, it's the relationships we have I uh, can't have it with a lot of people, but, but um, you know, we've got a, a pretty intimate relationship with some friends that, uh, that refresh us immensely. And that, that's where I find, uh, I, I get his word, but sometimes he wants us to have those relationships where people can understand that, yeah, you're that way, but uh, we all have the deficit, but we still get that opportunity to move forward mm-hmm. and press on irrespective. That's good. So, so do you feel like then your, your view of God if, 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 it's, if it's really honing in on this relational aspect, do you feel like your view of God really affects how I'm going to approach every one of these rhythms? How does that, how does that play in? Well, the first thought that comes to my mind when I think of the whole rhythm thing is I'm, I'm fearful of compartmentalizing my spiritual life mm. uh, so, for me, I need to be thinking everything I'm doing, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, uh, needs to be integrated into a, 
I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, and so everything I'm doing has to be Christ-centered. It doesn't matter what it is that I'm doing. So, um, so when I think about rhythms and I just think anything I'm doing, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm a person who doesn't, I don't, um, you know, if you, I, I like being flexible in my rhythms. I don't like rigidness in my, my, my days. If you look at, for me, I look at a week and every single day, I know exactly what I'm doing that day, every single week leading up to Sunday. So my life's very predictable in a lot of ways. It's very predictable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's a great deal of prediction of that predict that I love, that I thrive in. Um, but you're just saying you have to change it up a little bit. But you, gotta, you can change it up a little bit, and you can be a little bit flexible. If, you're, if your quiet time gets pushed later out in the day, that's yeah. okay. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't want to be a robot is what I'm saying. Right. I don't want to be a robot. So all, everything I'm doing, even if I'm hurrying out of bed in the morning, I like slow mornings. I'm not a fast morning guy. <laughs> I'm, a very, I'm a slow starter, very slow. Once I get going, I'm okay, but it's a slow start for me. The, some of these guys are hustlers. They're, 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 they, they like mornings. Like, I'm not a morning person, so I'm a slow morning guy. Uh, I don't, God doesn't have high expectations of me in the morning. He <laughs> just doesn't. It just does. So in so, that vein of, of yeah. compartmentalization then, with uh, looking at, at the entirety of your life, right, how, uh, what are some good things that you've had in your life that you've had to limit because you start to, they, they may be perfectly good and innocent, but you start to see them direct your heart in a different way. What are some good things in your life that you've had to limit because of that? For me, that's very easy. Uh, like I said, my life's very predictable. I mean, you could catch me at 2 o'clock on any given day. You'd know where I was. But the three things for me are food, TV, and working out. Those are the three things I got to monitor on a regular basis. Those are three, how much. And it really boils down to how much. And then how much of my, my soul becomes needy or dependent on those things in a way that's not healthy. You can pick any three you want, but those, those are three for me that are a regular part of my life. I got to monitor my food intake, I got to monitor my TV intake, and I got to monitor my working out because I can get, because I, I love it. And so uh, I can get my identity from it, I can soothe my soul with it in ways that aren't healthy. So I just got to, those are three things I got to monitor on a regular basis that are regular rhythms in my life. I'm yeah. not eliminating them from my life. They're in my life. So I got to, so I got to stay on top of those. They never go away mm. yeah. as potential. That's good. Those are three. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't do much else. <laughs> but eat, watch TV and work out. That's all I do. These guys could probably all tell you mine is sports. Uh, I like to watch it, play it, talk about it. And so, uh, particularly in the fall, uh, Jeff makes me think about TCU football a whole lot, and I have to really monitor my time with Jeff uh, because of that. Um, So those are just things I think about. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, but it can overwhelm uh, a lot of my life. Yeah, it's good. 
Um, you know, if, if I can just add, you know, a couple things, maybe we should have started this out. We're all still in the learning curve. Hmm. Are, are we well together on that? We're still in that learning curve. Uh, we do stupid, but we try to prevent stupid as much as we can. <laughs> just so you'll know, I mean, uh, probably my biggest lessons that I've learned is just to quit doing stupid. And I think in the spiritual life that comes that way. So I, you know, I want to qualify that. And I know in my world, I travel a lot. Um, a number of years back, I was traveling from um, uh, here to Memphis. Uh, uh, get up about four in the morning on, on Mondays, travel, come back late Friday night, and did that for 18 months. Uh, it almost busted my relationship with these, these men, because uh, you can't build relationship when you're not there, right? And so all of a sudden you're in a different world, literally two worlds trying to balance things out, and it's tough, but we still have that relationship. But I think the, the, the thing in terms of you know, our world, like where Pete was talking history, you know, I have to coordinate because of my travel schedule. I'm preoccupied with getting up on a Monday, getting to the airport early, sometimes, you know, by 5 in the morning or 6, taking off, traveling. And, and so you, you, you do have to be conscientious of things, or you can just kind of go into neutral. Hmm. And usually what I find is when you get into neutral, that's when you get into trouble. You know, because you're thinking, well, I've got to get this done. But then you, you just forget about other things that are important. So if anything, it's reminding myself of the things that have to be done. You know, Peter, Peter talked about we want to stir up by way of remembrance things that have to happen. And I think that's, uh, that's a challenge. But that's where these men have, have been helpful uh, to remind me, you know, because I realize that even though I'm not here with them and with my family, I'm connected to them. And it kind of keeps that little checks and balance as we go forward. Mm, that's good. That's what I love about having these guys up here is that you get into any conversation with these guys, any one of them, and they're not just going to give you lofty thoughts of what you need to be doing with your life. They're going to tell you how they struggle in the middle of all of this. And so that's what I love, just, just the conversations with these, with these guys. But um, does anybody in here, Cody's got a microphone, does anybody in here have any questions related to how, does, how do these rhythms in our life orient our hearts, direct us in a certain direction. I think Richard has one over here. Uh, good morning. Uh, how do you, uh, do you set goals in how you might help others that day or uh, in your rhythms? Uh, you know, we want to get in the right position with God, but do you do you seek each day to try to maybe influence someone else in a, in a way that would also do that? I don't necessarily, he's, he's asking the question, when you wake up, do you set goals like some sort of spiritual goal? Today I want to encourage somebody or today I want to do something like that. Uh, I, I don't know that I would personally say that I wake up and set any kind of goals uh, specifically, although I would say some days a thought will come across that might be a goal that day. Otherwise, it's just overall and generally make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing on any, in any given moment in my life. So I don't know that I s set them all the time. Sometimes something will hit you that you want, that you know you need to do today, a practice or a something that you need to work on or something like that will hit you, but I don't know that I would say that happens every day. You know, I, I wake up and I'll, oftentimes my first prayer is, Lord, help me not to screw up today again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
this elder deal is interesting. You know, you're walking through Walmart or you're walking through uh, Home Depot and you're, you're tempted to, you know, get angry at the guy, you know, bust in front of you or whatever he does. And, and all of a sudden you remember, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm an elder. I'm not. Somebody could be watching. Uh, so, yeah, frequent prayer is help me not to screw up to dishonor you today. You know, because it's it's right there. It's 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 right behind the door. And then I just get angry and confess it. So it's it's, it's a real it's a real good thing. I get to experience my Christian walk. But you're you're right though. I think we you know I, I'll go back to the relationship thing. I think that you know look in your own lives. It's when you have those relationships with certain with your family, with your children. In my case, uh, generationally now with my grandchildren. It does put in perspective, you know, and, and Tim's right. There, um, I would hate to have you in my car when I'm driving by myself <laughs> because that's otherworldly, you know, at that point. Um, but, but I'm always thrust back into relationship. I'm, um, I'm always thrust back into having that intimate time with God. For me, uh, personally, the area that, that it keeps me kind of anchored is not so much uh, goals and objectives that I set, but it's having that time, uh, the Matthew 6 principle about going into the closet and praying. Um, if, if I have one thing in my Christian experience that I wish somebody would have told me early on when I came to Christ, I wish it would have been that. Because that's that idea where he says, you come in and shut the door. It's just a one-on-one. He's not asking you to bring your wife, your kids, your family. He wants you to sit down there and be alone. And I find that for me, th- that's it. So it's not so much a list of things to do, but it's relationships that I want to have that reminds me of the things that, that I need to be doing. I would say sometimes, I don't know if church's a goal, but so I've been working at the same place for almost 20 years with mostly the same people. So, and at times you can walk in and just say, all right, I got to go, go task oriented and at times not particularly an empathetic, natural person. So I think a lot about um, the people in my office. How am I going to say something to them that means something after sitting with them for 20 years? just trying to pay attention to what's going on in their life, what I can ask them that just continues to build a relationship and um, try to um, do something new or different that's, that's influential to them. For, for me, it's just uh, I come into contact with a lot of people uh, throughout my, my days, all in different situations. So the interesting thing to me, I just try to be consistent with what I believe and what I project uh, to them and my beliefs. And then the second piece of that is just always, I try to be humble. It's not about me, it's about them. So no matter whether you're talking business or you're talking personal, it is about relationship, but it isn't about us. And, uh, but yet you're being evaluated you know, as to uh, your, how much you're helping people and just by helping people, it opens up conversation. So it's not necessarily a goal of who I'm going to impact today, I just assume I'm going to try to impact everybody by being consistent. And I should be predictable. And I think it goes back to consistent and predictability, whether it's with my family. If something, you know, if, if, if my son wrecked the car and they come in, they should know what my reaction is going to be. It shouldn't be a surprise. If it's, if it's with your wife or if it's with in, in a business relationship, they should know pretty much going in 99% of the time what I'm going to say. And if, if I've done my relationship building and the way that I want to carry myself and build those relationships, there should be no surprises. Hmm. Well, how about um, one of our guys sent this in. He said, how have you ensured that you're able to be the Christ-like leader you're supposed to be for your family? 
I think insured's a funny word there. Who wrote that question? Who wrote that question? Could you say it one more time? Yeah, yeah. How have you ensured that you are able to be the Christ-like leader you're supposed to be for your family? I probably answered your question. Okay, so... We have uh, not done that. So my... Uh, my daughter, I've got two beautiful daughters, both married a long time now, but uh, <clears throat> the youngest one, and those of you, I won't brag too much, but uh, the youngest one, beautiful girl, uh, very bright, very personable. Uh, <clears throat> but there's a big dance coming up, <clears throat> and she doesn't, uh, she doesn't have a date, and she's, <clears throat> she's, uh, uh, she feels bad about that, and it, it's breaking my heart that this big dance is coming up, and, and she doesn't have a day for this thing. And uh, so uh, I'm on my knees uh, on, for the Lord, saying, you know, this 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 doesn't look good. You know what? Uh, uh, can you help us out here? You know, I mean, Certainly she doesn't deserve it, and more than that, I don't deserve it. But you're a good God, and you're kind, and you care about even the the smallest things. And so dinner that night, and she comes in and, and uh, I said, well, how'd your day go? And said, well, it's the funniest thing. Uh, this guy that, uh, that kind of wanted me to ask out, you know, we were talking and, and uh, he said, you know, I kind of wanted to ask you, but I was a little concerned, but, and, and I didn't, you know, ask, but, you know, is it possible that, you know, you're still available for the dance? And, and uh, so, and you go, what a wonderful God that, that, yeah. that loves even the smallest thing. Hmm. And that's, <clears throat> that's what I find uh, in, in quiet times, about, specifically about my family. It's like I'll, I'll have a question, I'll have the problem, there'll be something going, and I'll say, Lord, how can we, how, how, what am I supposed to do here? Can you help us? you know, work through this and it'll, an idea will come to me and it was like, no, I've, I've already thought of that. That's, there's no way it'll work. There's no way that'll work. And then it's like, oh, I just asked for something. I just got an idea. Maybe they might be associated. So let me look at this again. Uh, he really is a good God. He really is. Uh, I'm talking too much, but the other side of it is, let me give a, a shout out. That's, isn't that what the normal say? Uh, <laughs> uh, for dry spells. I mean, dry spells are a part of the life. I mean, if you haven't had one recently, you're going to. Uh, and they aren't because he doesn't love you or they aren't because you're doing something wrong. I mean, they could be but for the second one, not the first. But it's just a part of your life. It's just a part of him pulling you closer to you, to him. So don't, That's good. You know, don't feel bad. Keep pushing because he wants you to push. That's good. Do you have something? You know, I just think your family is really the, uh, the most challenging part because they see who you really are. You can't. You, know, you can hide at work. You can be sort of who you want to be to some degree. Uh, it gets harder after 20 years, but, uh, and I agree, you know, good God and lots of great things. Um, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes the answer is no. And I think when it's your family, that's really, really hard. But 
you know, for me, I think it's one of the things God's been teaching me is, do you trust me? Not do you trust me when it works, because that's easy, but when the answer is not what you want it to be, do you still show up? Do you still uh, trust me and reflect that to your family? And, and I'd add, too, just, um, boy, isn't that the laboratory where most of your experiments are taking place in home? Because you're right, you can't. I can have a facade at work. I can be a certain way that somebody expects me to be, and, and they can see certain things about me and know about them, but there's a lot of things that I may want to just hide and protect and not let them in and see. You can't do that at home. Um, I've often been, been bothered when I see that I respect uh, people that I don't know well more than my family sometimes. Hmm. It's just kind of annoying that that, that familiarity kind of breeds that contempt that and kind of comes with family. But I've, I've found, though, that, that uh, the family tends to be that laboratory that God uses the most, at least in my life, that, you know, I realize that I can set an example, or I am setting it irrespective, good or bad, but even in those times when I I don't do things well, I can go back and we can have a conversation and talk about what I could have done different. I think with our children especially, um, at least what I found is, is that um, uh, I try to put my arm around the kids in certain events, especially if I've blown it or if I've had to go back and ask them for forgiveness for an event that maybe I elevated or escalated too much. Um, and God can, can really bring you humble about that. I appreciated Pete with his boys where he took the time to set them up in life, you know, kind of come alongside and put his arm around them and talk about things that are going to happen in life as you go forward. Hmm. You know, something simple as you're going to a high school party and here's some things that might be happening. They'd be aware of this. Uh, my dad passed when I was 18, so I didn't have that opportunity to have a mentor through that. A lot of mine were shadow memories, but you begin to see in your own experience that what God wants from us is to be able to, again, put our arms around our kids, and that becomes that, that laboratory where we probably learn the most about ourselves uh, and also recognize how we can teach our kids grace that we just talked about a second ago um, and, and really be there as an example for them. Hmm. That's good. I had a guy uh, just during breakfast ask, uh, uh, you know, since Kyle talked last week about uh, Brother Lawrence and, and uh, practicing the presence of God, a guy asked just during breakfast, is that even possible? Is it even possible? Is it really feasible to practice the presence of God in every avenue of life at all moments, at all times? Is that even a feasible goal in your mind during the daily grind, during the, um, during the, the family struggles, during everything else? Is that even feasible to keep him constantly before you? If it isn't, I'm quitting. I'm going to tell you that. I'm quitting. Um, first of all, as we're studying the Holy Spirit, He's already present with you. There's no, there's no getting around that. So, uh, I'm not doing anything, thinking anything, believing anything, trying anything, hoping for anything without Him a part of that reality. So, yes, He needs to be brought into that reality. And to the degree that you don't practice that, You'll get out ahead of them. So I think you do. Uh, I, I absolutely think that the essence of the spiritual life is knowing he's with me at all times in every situation and everything that's happening, good or bad. Mm. Uh, absolutely. I think that's absolutely essential. Otherwise, you'll be spiritual in some areas of your life. I know lots of people who are spiritual in some areas of their life, and in other areas, God literally 
seems to have no influence on that person. I literally have an area of your life that God has no influence over. That is going to make for a very warped, weird person. So every part of your life, you need to practice the present. There's no question about it. That's good. So the other option, though, too, is just to add, uh, Brother Andrew, God love him, but, you know, Jesus said, be you perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. What a great standard that we have to live up to, right? So it's like the minimum requirement is perfection. Well, I, I get that. I'm, I'm positionally in heaven, but I'm practically still on earth. Terra firma, I've got to walk through that. And, you know, th- that's what kind of pulls us through, isn't it? I mean, that's the ultimate. And, it, and I love that Proverbs says, the righteous man falls seven times, in my case, 700, but rises again. You know, there's an idea that he gets that, you know, that that's just part of that. But he empowers us to be able to move forward. So um, the, and the other thing, too, is how many of you feel like you're more a spectator in your Christian faith than a participant? You know what I'm talking about? I see those hands. That's a guy. I love you guys that are raising your hand. Little fingers going up. But it, sometimes we feel that way, right? We're more spectator than participant. And I think part of that is, is the mindset that we have to have to say, no, we're not we're not spectators. You know, we're, we're in the game. We're in the hunt. You know, uh, Hebrews 11 talks about we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses who have gone before us that remind us that, hey, look what they've gone through. Look what we go through. We go through. Hmm. You know what I find in my own life? It's not that I'm not practicing the presence of God. I'm not aware of his presence with me. Because when I come to the reality, knowing that he said he'd never leave me nor forsake me, so he's here all the time with me, it's my awareness that keeps me from living the life that I'm supposed to live sometimes. Because I find in my own life, when I am aware of his presence, I live differently. And that, I think, is the part of this practicing. You know, just saying, oh, yeah, you are here. And like Tim said, um, to, to pray these things, that God is always aware of the things going on in our lives, and he's able to come to our our need and answer our prayers, that is an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. So I think just asking God, knowing that he's already here in our presence, but ask him to make us aware. Let me know of your presence. Not a feeling, but just knowing that he's there. Make the reality become true to us, I think is important to me. That's good. So if, if, if we've talked about the daily grind, we've talked about family, we've talked about uh, just some different ways that that ties together, what, what do you think it looks like? This is something I really struggle with right now being in school, is how does it look to have a healthy time of, of rest and play? How, how does that look? How do you keep God before you in, in the middle of something like just just play, just, just you know, rest time, just me time. What does, that, what does that look like? Well, some of that's going to be determined by the stage of your life and, and what you got going on. And if you got little kids, it, did, it doesn't exist. So, so quit <laughs> acting like it's supposed to be there. And I, I mean, I'm in a stage in my life now where, you know, I have a lot more of that I can squeeze into my world mm-hmm. and uh, gotten to a place where I know how much of it I need, you know, to incorporate in on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, how much I need to step back, how much I need to have, whether you call it recreation or whether you just call it rest or checking out or whatever you want to call it. Um, think. You know, some stages of your life, you, you get smaller 
rest periods, and you just have to you just have to deal with that. Mm. I'm not sure that. Uh, I mean, like anything else in your life, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to fit it in, know yourself well enough how to fit it in. But it's definitely an important part of of my life, recuperating, uh, checking out, that kind of thing, is, is an important element of life. I think this question ties in with your earlier question about uh, what things in your life do you have to limit. Mm. Uh, I've bored people with this illustration before, but I draw a distinction between recreation and amusement. You know, you look at the word recreation means to, you're going to recreate yourself. Amusement, if you look at it, A, it's without, and muse is thinking. So amusements are doing something without thinking. Uh, and those are the kinds of things that I have to, to limit because they don't really refresh me, hmm. you know. Uh, flipping through the channels on TV to see if there's anything I might want to watch. You know, how dumb is that? Well, that's how dumb I am, you know, every day. Uh, uh, that's just pure amusement. Where recreation is, is finding something that, that builds you. You're doing something not necessarily even for the, the purpose of having pleasure, but you're doing something for the purpose of creating something. Uh, and, and I always think about, you know, hey, I don't have time to have a quiet time. You know, I just don't have time. Well, do you have time to watch television? You know, you know. Do you have time to watch Netflix? If you got time to do that, you got time to have a quiet time. Uh, so that now, if you're in school and working, you don't have time to do either. You know, <laughs> but, but just as Pete said, you got you, you push through. Does anybody else have any questions along the lines of just how do we tie this in? How do we how do we tie these these pieces of our lives in? How do we make it make sense? We we'll think back here. So uh, one thing that I'm curious about is if when we're talking about rhythms and everything, a lot of it has been, well, I mean, it all touches community some, somehow, right? There's always the audience of God. We're always in community with God. But what I'm curious about are, are there any community rhythms, right? Like just kind of an, ex, I don't know if it's an extreme example. An example is, you know, we're in the habit of doing communion here, right, as a community, because that, that represents something. But are there community rhythms that you would do with your family or with uh, people that are important to you to keep you um, focused on the things of God, if that makes sense? That's um, not an easy question. No, I, I, it's, it's okay. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, in fact, you know, for me, you know, Dallas Willard would tell you that of all the spiritual disciplines, uh, you need to be memorizing Scripture. That's what he would say. And I think, well, nothing wrong with that. Um, I would probably say community is the most important thing in your life. I have taught the New Testament for a few decades now. I have led people for a long time. And I would look anybody right in the eyes and say, if you can't say that you have a couple of special people around you that are important to your spiritual 
growth and life that you're missing out on a kingdom wonder that will hamstring you all of your life. It'll hamstring you all your life. So you need to be able to say, of course you have different people you have in your life. I have some, I have friends that I need to be with and I get with on a regular basis. I have family time, obviously. I have, you know, church connections that I got to have. But if you don't have that in your life, and a lot of people don't, let alone a lot of men don't, um, then I, I think it's going to be really hard. It's, it's going to be a huge struggle in a lot of ways if you don't have that kind of community in your life as a man, especially. That's good. How, how, would, you, how would you say that uh, you, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of struggles with sports teams and family stuff and uh, work projects and everything else. How would you guys say that you do prioritize community? I know that, you know, a lot of you guys are, are working in the secular world as well as being an elder. So, I mean, how, especially for the guys maybe with, with some younger kids in, uh, you know, in sports and, and different things like that, how do, you, how do you tell these guys to, what advice would you give to prioritize community hearing that it's this important? You know, community is not just, just because we're in here doesn't mean we're in community. It just means we have a group of men that are in this, in this building right now. God's expecting us to take it a little bit deeper. Mm. Uh, uh, Carol and I have been fortunate. You know, we've known Pete and Gail now for what, about 110 years, something like that. It's, but, um, you know, over the, the time we've known each other, we've, we've had a lot of time together to kind of go share ups and downs, you know, flip sides, everything, all the normal processes in life. But if, but you, if you don't have that community, and I would really challenge you all, uh, you can't do it with a lot of people. Uh, sometimes people like a large group because they can kind of get lost in it, and then and yet it's they're really suppressing, not dealing with the issues you have to. But when you have those intimate relationships with a few, uh, even these men on the you know up here to, uh, this morning, you know we've uh, we have a relationship different than others that we have, and we're able to kind of you know share things more intimately over time as we've gotten to know each other and go through those personal struggles. But I would just challenge each of you to take a look in the mirror and, and find out what do you have in terms of, say, couple relationships, um, because that's important, or, again, at least the relationships with the men that you can have. Um, you know, and, and I, I, we started that way. Remember, if, if God's in community with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, and he creates in community, then I think he wants us to sustain community, but we have to make that intentional. Uh, not just, well, what a great idea. No, you know, put some, uh, you know, shoe leather to it and then take the steps necessary uh, to be there because here's what's going to happen. Um, there are sometimes, uh, I know I drive these guys crazy, but they're gracious toward me. But I just realized God put me here to drive them nuts, so I, I found my call in life. It's really a good thing. Um, but but we, have to, we have to engage in that where, where we have to espouse and be the very thing that Christ was in terms of a sacrificial sense for sin so that we could have communion and relationship with God. Remember, God broke through into our world because we were incapable of breaking into his. And, and, and we've got to break into people's worlds to be able to have that. So I would... I would Community has got to be critical that, that again, is, is fettered or, or secured by the fact that Scripture is very resplendent. Think of all the one another's in the Scripture. 
not a bunch of ones, it's about a bunch of one another's. And, and, and so I would just encourage that. I would just say, it, it's, to me, it's two things. One, you have to prioritize it, like these guys have all said, and we've been Sarah and I have been fortunate to be in a small group, really, since almost we started going to the church. And it's been really valuable not only to be around men, but for us as a couple to be around other couples. Um, but also, I think it has to be, for me, part of the rhythm of just, I'm not great at forcing myself into relationship. So I'm um, blessed to have some great guys that I was friends with in college that really— uh, are part of my community, and most of them don't live here, so I commute, you know, 30 minutes both ways. There's a lot of guys in here do, so I call them. You know, we just get on the phone, and on my way home, I can listen to the radio, or I can call my friends, and even though we're not present, we have such a great relationship that that's community for me, and it fits into the normal rhythm of my life. Hmm. That's good. Well, I think that's a good segue. We've got, um, you know, we've talked about it a little bit. The, uh, oh, we got one more question? Yeah, yeah, go for it. If we have time, uh, a significant Christian leader recently had to step down because of an indiscretion in his life. And when I heard about it, uh, I've uh, looked up to this guy for a long time in my Christian life. Uh, When I heard about it, I just felt like if it could happen to him, it could happen to me, it could happen to anybody Can you speak to the guardrails that you, uh, as a leadership team, have in place to uh, address things like like that, Uh, keep uh, keep from doing something stupid, and uh, what you would recommend for us? I think we've all told Pete that if anything like that ever happens, I mean, he's dead man. There's no, (laughs) there's no question about that. I mean, uh, these guys are holding each other accountable. So that's, I mean, that's the main thing. Uh, I don't, I don't know that we have any. We and as the church staff, we have the the uh, Billy Graham rule uh, in effect, uh, uh, which is uh, uh, no individual male with uh, no individual female, uh, and that's. I think that's how well it served us. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's in effect, and, and uh, it's a try. Do you have anything else? Yeah, well, I just met with our—I know who you're talking about. I mean, it's fairly well known now, and we've had a conversation about it as elders. But um, I also gathered—I had a meeting one week with our guys, with the males on the staff, just a couple weeks ago. And then I had one this past week with the ladies on the staff. And, you know, we reestablished the Billy Graham Modesto Manifesto, is what it's called, where, you know, you don't travel, you don't eat, you don't meet, you don't, you're not alone with ladies. Um, and, uh, I mean, those are things you put in place because you're just hoping that it'll help. But at the end of the day, I told the whole group, I mean, the, I mean the, there's the best among us have fallen. We're all vulnerable. You got to have this conversation very humbly. Yeah. And, uh, and you got to remember that, uh, there's no, there's no magic formula to protecting you. You can be in an accountability group more than likely. I assume if you sexually sin, you won't be with your accountability group when you do it. 
which means you're going to be alone, which at the end of the day, it's about it's self-management at the end of the day. So there's no magic formula. There are good things and healthy things in your life that you need to have in there to protect you. Um, but so we, we have those things, I think, in place. Um, one of the things that was true about the situation you're describing in an article that came out here this past week, the elders in reviewing the last four years of their review of this situation realized that that this person had gotten uh, to a place where even the elders were afraid to hold his feet to the fire on some of the Modesto Manifesta. Mm. Um, He was doing some things that the elders should have said we shouldn't be doing that. So ego and pride and, and all that kind of stuff can get in the way. I don't think that, uh, you know, we have that dynamic here. So, uh, you know, you can get too big for your britches and then you start crossing lines and it seems like it's okay. And that usually pride is a really big part of these things. So around here, you know, we, we don't really have any big shots. And uh, we try to keep it that way so nobody, nobody's above the law or above the rules or the dynamics. So at the end of the day, it's your own personal spiritual life that's going to win the day in the moment. But we have those things in place to make sure that as a staff and as men, we're not doing anything inappropriate. I don't know if that answers your question well enough or not. And if I could just it, it dovetail just for a quick sec. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to get self-righteous and say, oh, my gosh, you know, I never do that. Or it's like when we talk about sin, we used to, you know, somebody would compare themselves, well, at least I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, I, I didn't do that. But the point is, we've done that, but not that, right? You know, Jesus talked about if you lust after a woman, what have you done? But we don't bring that into the conversation. We look at someone who has that fall. I'm not justifying the fall. But what I am saying is, now what do we do as believers when we see a brother who's fallen? What do we do? The admonishment for us as elders in Galatians 6 is, don't forget, you can be talking to yourself. So tone it down. Because the natural tendency is to want to rev it up. And probably anybody on this, on this board wants to rev it up. It's me. So these guys keep me in check. But I do think that that's, that's our community thing again. You know, do we get the sticks and beat them up? Trust me, that person's going to go through enough of it as well. But we get to realize, wow, that's, isn't that life? Hmm. Not acceptable by any means. It could have been preventable. Uh, but now God's asking us to remind ourselves, what's, what, is, what is the grace component? But at the same point, what is living rightly in, li- in light of that as well? So that's where we get to look in the mirror of Scripture and decide, what is it that God's going to have us do? That's good. Thank you for that question. Um, I think it's I think it's you know safe to say that it, we've been. Um, I hope you see the the value of community. Um, we we have one of our men's groups um, that just did some interviews. They, they we've put a video together just to just to show you one group and and just what community has meant to this group. So uh, if you could go ahead and watch this, uh, we'll talk a little bit more. I needed something that was going to be real, no fluff, 
um, a brotherhood of guys that could accept me as I was, not judge me, and help just do life together, learn and grow in Christ together. And that's what I found in this group. I get to know some of their trials and tribulations and how they become successful after those trials. So that's what this group means to me, and I feel totally blessed to be here and be part of it. The biggest thing that I have gotten out of this whole group is not so much just the the camaraderie that we've had, but uh, the sharing, the uh, the growing with each other. Um, I've been looking for a way to be challenged as a man, and this group definitely has done that for me. When I joined these guys, things just started to change. It took a couple of weeks to get a little bit of a comfort level, but they were just so welcoming. And I realized what was missing was the community, the brotherhood. I can have a great wife, a great daughter, uh, my, my life was really great, but I didn't have this brotherhood, and that just, I mean, I say it, it saved my life. Um, One of the things I've learned in life is that left to my own devices, I, uh, I, I get myself in a lot of trouble, so it's very important to me to be connected with a group of guys. I've grown spiritually more than I think I have um, in the last three years, probably more than the 43 years before, um, just in the topics um, we've discussed, the books we've read, and uh, just the conversation with these uh, these band of brothers. Same. In fact, every guy in there brings something new to the table or something different. We have humor, of course. We have some serious. We have uh, guys with need. We pray. Um, so I've heard the word brotherhood a lot. Uh, tonight, and I would echo that. I consider it to be crucial to my spiritual growth to be able to sit with a group of guys who are pursuing Jesus as well. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I just can't, uh, can't underestimate the value of uh, being in a program like this. Can't imagine life without it. So. And then studying the Bible with these guys and learning how Christ wants us to live is absolutely crucial part of my life. If you're missing that brotherhood, it can change your life. It just really can. Thanks, Ken. Cut. I think, uh, I, I hope you see today, even every one of these guys up here would say you have, they could not do this without being in a, a, a brotherhood of guys who will hold them accountable, keep them in those rhythms. And so as you go back to the tables today, um, we've got sheets on there that, that have sh they show some of our open groups. Um, they've, uh, if, you, if you could just, you know, if you're wanting to get into a group, put your name on there, put your, your phone number and email, and, and we'll get in contact with you and get you the information for it. Uh, we've, we've even got a new group start, starting up on Wednesday nights uh, for a six-week series uh, talking about the identity of man. So if, if you're dropping your kids off and you want something to, to do on Wednesday nights, then we've got this series coming up. Uh, but get plugged in. Get plugged in with, with community. It's absolutely absolutely critical but uh thank you guys could you could you give them one more just appreciation for for being up here today uh, hey thanks for watching today's message we hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith if you enjoyed it let your friends know we'll catch you next time